This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Friday evening, finally Friday, TGIF. We've got a fantastic show in store for you tonight. We all know how important the ag industry is to our communities. We're going to do a couple of things ag-related tonight. Uh, earlier this week, had a fantastic ag roundtable conversation, talking about ag and energy and the impact that we're going to see with it looks like the rising prices of energy. What does that mean from your for your bottom line on the farm? And then also one week from today, there's going to be a special conversation, a webinar about blockchain and the ag industry. So if you're like me and you're thinking, wait a second, I've heard about this blockchain, but I have no idea what it's all about. Well, we're going to have somebody break it down. Like I'm a fifth grader for us tonight, really explain it in very layman's terms, but also talk about most importantly, what could this ultimately mean, as I just mentioned a moment ago, to put more money in the pockets of our producers? Here's some of these conversations. Today, we're going to be talking about blockchain and ag. So for many of you out there go, wait a second, blockchain and the ag industry, how is this going to work? How is it going to make a difference? Well, we're going to get into that. In fact, there's a special event coming up uh, next Friday. So one week from today, it's free. You've got people all over the globe that are going to be joining this conversation, thanks to Genesis Feed Technologies and Grand Farm. We've got some very special guests with us today. Peter Schott, he's the CEO and co-founder of GenesisFeedTech.com. Peter, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Glad to be here. we got Andrew Jason with Grand Farm. Andrew, it's great to see you again. Always good to see you, Chris. And then we've also got Dr. William Adderholt. He is the Grand Farm Director, Program Manager. So a lot of exciting things here. And I guess what I want to start with, gentlemen, is the fact that um, even myself, like I watched some videos on blockchain, but but Peter, if we'll start with you, if you can just share with our audience, as though I'm a fifth grader, um, what is blockchain and how does it tie into the ag industry? Yeah, so blockchain, a lot of times when people hear blockchain or think about it, they think about like cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin, <laughs> or maybe even Dogecoin or those different things that are out there. And that's not what blockchain is. Blockchain is the ledger behind the scenes. So when you think about when, if I would give a dollar to Andrew and I'd make a note of, I gave a dollar to Andrew. Blockchain is a ledger that keeps track of those things. So if I give my dollar to five different people, then I know where it ended up with at the end. So people are finding all these different ways to use blockchain to trace things as they go uh, from one person to another and looking at new and innovative ways to do that. There's other people that are a bit skeptical saying, why do we need blockchain? And with anything in agriculture, do we really need this tech there? And so our company works along that supply chain in the soybean side of things. And so me being a cautious skeptic about technology, I wanted to have a conversation about what is blockchain really and what it is doing in agriculture. So let's bring people together that don't know anything about it, people that are experts and people that say, we don't really need this and let's just all talk and kind of see what happens. So approach the grand farm and we decided this really works well with the type of things they're trying to do as well. And uh, there came the conference. Just so I can understand this correctly, because I'm one of those guys, I, I want to know where my food's from as much as I possibly can. And I think I did mention this to you, Dr. Adel. So is there a potential at least where I can buy my meat from Whole Foods, for example, and use some kind of blockchain code and go, oh, this is from a, a ranch in South Dakota. Or North. I mean, can we get to that point where I can see exactly where my food's coming from? If if that's what the market and, and the supply chain would like to open up and they think there'd be value behind that, yes. So you'd be able to see 
um, where that cow was raised, what its lineage was, if you really wanted to, how old it was. Um, you could see all of that. Um, if that if if the market allowed that to be opened up through that supply chain and blockchain, um, if the other things that could be opened up through this is looking at things like what the nutritional content or what the like uh, quality of the cow was um, when it left the, yes. left the farm. There's a lot of work coming out of NDSU right now looking at sensor technology and how you could actually take camera images of the cow and actually see things like fat content, weight, health, um, and all those increase the value. Um, and for both the consumer and for the grower um, in this in this in this chain. So dive into that a little bit more. Whoever wants again to continue, but, but but I think there's some real value, especially people. I mean, <laughs> you know, in LA and New York and places like that where they think milk comes from a carton, but if they they really do want to know more about their food, um, how can we create some way to help them? Like you just suggested, hey, this is the cow. This is what went into it. This is what they were eating. How does that happen? I, I think that uh, there's groups there's, that are already doing that over overseas and in Europe and in countries like France. There's um, apps and things where a person can start to uh, look at that. You can be in the grocery store and see where your vegetables came from. And I do know there's other groups doing larger scale projects like this over in Southeast Asia to connect the different parts of the supply chain. So you can trace those things back and, and have that have that type of information for your your fruits, your vegetables and your in your meats. Uh, the other thing that you're seeing more in the industry too is that the, um, the supply chain is becoming more tightly integrated where groups like Costco with their Kirkland chicken, uh, they're actually starting to raise the chickens themselves and produce the feed. Smithfield is doing the same thing where they're, they're taking the whole supply chain into um, you know, their own wraps so they're able to better tightly manage that and then be able to utilize blockchain to move things along the way. So let's get into that. So Dr. Adderholt, you're the program manager at Grand Farm and the director. Talk a little bit about what Grand Farm is and then how will blockchain make an impact for you guys and for egg in general? I can do that. Um, the Grand Farm in general is here to act as a neutral platform that brings together partners from around the world in government, higher education and industry to drive forward the future of agriculture technology. Um, what we often do is we work with the growers and we work with the industry, work with the researchers to understand what are the challenges that agriculture is facing today and what are we, can we expect the challenges to be tomorrow. As we approach those, some very clear things um, have come up. An example would be traceability. Um, blockchain is often associated with traceability in agriculture. When we think about things um, like the commodities that we export, understanding how uh, things like soybeans were farmed, and then how they went through the process of being collected through the elevators um, all the way through the processing plants and perhaps um, into your own grocery stores. Uh, we need to understand where that food came from. Um, there's value behind that. There's, there's increased value for the growers behind that. And so the, that's why the Grand Farm has gotten involved with Project X, which is um, our attempt at, at understanding traceability in the bulk commodities like soybeans and corn um, and how that food goes from the grower all the way through the end consumer. So <laughs> I'm probably going to embarrass myself here, but my understanding is blockchain is it's considered like an immutable record, like it's it's immutable. And so I guess my question based on what you've said there, is there a possibility that I could be a consumer over in China and use my phone and go on like a Q code and go, oh, this soybean is from a farm in North Dakota. I mean, are you talking about how blockchain could create that kind of pathway and immutable record or? 
Um, it could. There's there's a lot of different um, safeguards for privacy and data along the way. Just because there's a blockchain solution doesn't mean I understand where I have all the information on everything that's ever been done. Sometimes it just uh, allows for a fingerprint, a record of the transaction to be there and verified by the blockchain platform. Um, an example of that might be just a stamp of approval um, that was put on a document. Um, that says that the data is there, the information's there, but that doesn't mean everyone has access to it um, along the way. Now, it's going to depend on the solution and the different relationships between governments to see how much information is actually passed from one area to the next. Um, and there's a lot of conversations that need to happen before that. But data privacy um, and data ownership are key and central to what the Grand Farm does and are represented in this project. So what's the value proposition? And what's the value of me utilizing blockchain and ag? Our, our growers are doing amazing things um, on their farms. Um, they've already implemented a lot of the technology that makes them more sustainable um, or allows you to, to uh, increase the price of the commodity you're selling, like using specific types of soybeans. Um, right now, there's not really a way that they can document their efforts and then be actually compensated for those efforts. Um, and that gets passed all the way through every step of the supply chain. Um, and so what this would do is allow for those farmers to be represented in that, where if they did implement certain practices that were more valuable to industry, they can get paid more for that. Or if they grow certain quality of food, they can get paid for be paid for more for that as well. So and Peter, that's you... what our company does every day. We're actively working with North Dakota Soybean Council with the United Soybean Export to show what is the economic value of the crops grown in the United States? Because it's a very competitive market overseas, and we have to show that we're more valuable than soybeans from, say, Brazil or Argentina. And we're doing that on the economic side. So what we can do is we can take those economic numbers that we've built into our platform and potentially tie it into a blockchain solution to say crops from this area are more valuable. Here's why, and here's what you're getting down the road. So the two go hand in hand very well. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Because I did go on your website and you guys have a great video there. And I was talking about, look, the real value is the nutrition that you're extracting out of this particular crop. So dive into that a little bit more. And how does blockchain then help show that, yeah, this soybean from North Dakota, for example, might cost a little bit more on the market, but the nutrition value um, far outweighs what you're going to pay for it. Exactly. So about 100 years ago, um, <laughs> exactly. year, uh, animal producers started to understand that soybean, they called it the little yellow protein pill and really started to look at, hey, there's protein in these soybeans, it's good for the animal feed, and we've spent the last 50 years trying to um, better communicate that message to uh, people that are buying that it's not just the protein, there's these things called energy and amino acids behind the scenes that are what are really being used when the animals eat the feed. And these groups like, uh, like USEC, United Soybean Board, North Dakota Soybean Council, they're day-to-day -day out with all these buyers overseas saying, Look at the energy, look at the amino acids. There's all this research being done, but there'd never been a good way to show the economic value of it. So our platform says, if you have this much more energy, this is really what it's gonna bring to the table for you on, on the buying and the manufacturing side. So they're taking that message out. Now what we can do with that with blockchain is to say, there may be a soybean crusher in Malaysia that wants to buy soybeans directly from this area, and they can do that. And blockchain helps kind of tie that record along the supply chain to show that this is really where it came from, and here's what happened along the way. Dr. David Cole is joining us, Virginia Tech professor emeritus. Am I saying that correctly, Dr. Cole? Wow, 
but that's <laughs> I don't have arthritis yet. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I cannot get that word correct. But also, uh, Lynn Paulson, Bellbank, uh, Senior VP of Agribusiness Development. Lynn, it's always great to see you, and thanks for doing this, you guys. No problem. <laughs> All right. So let's start with the most pressing thing. And I, and I and, and Dr. Cole, maybe we'll start with you here, but just your thoughts as you see these rolling blackouts. I've been talking to some people like Western North Dakota about the impact for our livestock producers. Um, what, what do you see happening with the possibility of these rolling blackouts? And I know the grid hasn't gone down. Let's hope it doesn't. But just your thoughts, sir. Well, you know, it's a classic example and it's happening down in Texas. Uh, you know, if you really look at it, you know, we're all uh, kind of de-emphasizing our energy program and uh, uh, we're all talking about, you know, alternative energy, but we still uh, have to fully realize that uh, we're very vulnerable to uh, Mother Nature. And, uh, of course, down in Texas right now, they're without power. Uh, of course, the solar grids and uh, uh, the wind towers are down right now and it's putting them in a detrimental uh, situation, of course. One of the things that, uh, you know, we talked about uh, before, we've got so much consolidation and concentration, you know, in our processing, and it just makes us extremely vulnerable. So uh, I think we really have the leadership uh, really has to assess this uh, moving forward. Lynn, I want to get your take. Uh, there was a piece came out just a couple of days ago, highest grocery price inflation in nine years, uh, specifically talked about, you know, the cost of beef going up. Um, there was... We just got done having an interview with Eugene Grainer from HeartlandInvest.com talking about because of these rolling blackouts, some of the processing plants have had to shut down. I mean, for you, Lynn, as a banker, where do you see things going from an inflationary, inflationary standpoint for the price of food for consumers? Well, you know, just uh, just comment on the blackouts, you know, again, I, you know, I think at some point we just need to have a balanced approach. You know, as Dr. Cole would say, you know, when, when the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow or things happen, whatever, uh, and the reliability of the network goes down or the grid goes down and some of these uh, uh, agribusinesses are, are negatively affected. It's kind of like my, my dad used to say, it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt, you know? So and that's kind of where we're at here a little bit. So uh, definitely, but I think you're seeing the, the inflationary uh, pressures come, um, you know, and a lot of that is due to, you know, increased demand at a time where, where supply chain is interrupted. And, and so your, your supply is going down, but, um, definitely that, uh, especially in, in, in the meat sector and that type of thing, I, I think you're going to continue to see some of these inflationary pressures. Yeah. You know, I want to get your reaction to this and Dr. Cole will amuse her Lynn there say, Hey, it's all fun until somebody gets hurt. And you, and you, you look at these rolling blackouts, uh, cause and I, and I bring it this way. You hear a lot of politicians saying, Hey, climate change is the existential threat that we face. And I just tweeted out today. Yeah, go tell that to the person in Texas right now that's sitting in their car, just trying to stay alive. That's a true existential threat. So my, my question for both of you is that what what kind of communication do we need to help? And I understand the climate situation, but to help them realize like, hey, this is real. Like you're talking livestock producers could be losing livestock if we don't do this right, if we don't have the right kind of grid. How do we communicate to them and say, look, I, I hear what you're saying, but we also need a reliable grid with coal and natural gas and other forms of energy. I, I agree with uh, Lynn. We need a balanced approach, Chris. And and one of the things is I know everybody's into uh, climate change and let's get away from fossil fuels, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're, I'm just going to be very candid, not be politically correct. We're playing right in the hands of OPEC and Russia. And if you think about when 9-11 occurred, you know, the administration at that time said we're going to be energy independent in 25 years. We did it in 10 years. How did we do it? Diversified 
uh, fuel sources, yes. We had fracking, we had ethanol, we had wind, we had solar power. And I think moving forward, one of the things strategically, we've got to think about the unintended consequences. And, you know, as they start thinking about electrical electric vehicles, look at some of those that are actually shutting down now. And uh, where are a lot of those electrical components uh, produced? China. And that's another unintended consequence. So I think, uh, uh, let's put it this way, they better tap the brakes and uh, move, uh, proceed forward and don't forget where we came from. Well, you bring up a great point. I mean, I just saw an article the other day that says, hey, this energy plan, and if either one of you want to jump in here, only is going to enrich Russia and Saudi Arabia. And there was a recent story I talked about, actually happened in November, but I heard Senator Kramer talk about this, where there was a, a gas, and we, we had a deal done for liquefied natural gas. And I, I don't want to get too far off the beaten path, but I'll bring it back to ag here, but a deal done with France for liquefied natural gas. We produce it at a lower carbon output. It was going to be better for national security. We're paying for NATO, and yet the French government came in and said, no, we're going to keep this natural gas deal with Russia. I, I just, I guess I only say that because it doesn't make any sense. Can you guys help me make any sense of what's happening with something like that? Well, I just want to dovetail off of what Dr. Cole said, you know, with respect to, you know, balanced approach on, on, on oil and, and that type of thing. Uh, clearly, um, when we achieved that energy independence uh, in, in North America, we did it because the government, quite frankly, got out of the way and let, let the, you know, the private sector do what it does, does, does best. All right, if you want to see more of either one of those conversations, it's very easy to watch them in their entirety. Just go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash POV now. You can check them out on Twitter. And Point of View has a YouTube channel as well, so they'll be up there as well. All right, stay with us. When we come back on Monday night, TBN is going to be highlighting Billy Graham, an extraordinary journey. We've been asked to share some of it with you tonight to help, help promote it for Monday night. It is looks like a fantastic documentary. So stick around for that. And as always, please share your point of view with us. You can email us, you can text us, you can leave us a voicemail. We got much more coming up right after this. <laughs> 